The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. After the wise men had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night, and went to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, Out of Egypt I have called my son. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who were seeking the child's life are dead. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And after being warned in a dream, he went away to the district of Galilee. There he made his home in a town called Nazareth so that what had been spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled. He will be called a Nazarene. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of the Holy Trinity, one God. Amen. Welcome to all of you on this last day of Christmas. For many of us, it feels like Christmas was a long time away and way back there. I I was talking with someone this morning and she said to me that every year that we when we go through this Christmas New Year's cycle, we experience it differently and partly because of where that special day falls. And this year, I don't know about you, but for me, it was Christmas and then it was work and then (laughs) and then New Year's and then it was work. And it felt like uh, Christmas was left behind. It was back there someplace. I thought, too, about uh, this wonderful pageant that we had on Christmas Eve, and it it was just glorious. Uh, It was just a beautiful expression of the mystery as well as the wonder of Christmas Eve. And, of course, based on that second chapter of Luke that is so beautiful. But sometimes I think that that Luke's account of the birth of Jesus uh, makes it even harder for us to connect it to our own lives. And for that reason, I want to uh, speak a little bit more about Matthew's account of Jesus' birth, in addition to what we heard in the gospel today. Because I think if we look at that closely, we can see that Matthew speaks to us, as well as to the people of his own time, about the connection of Jesus to them. Matthew's birth story begins with a genealogy. Now... (laughs) Almost any storyteller would probably agree that it's not wise to start a good story with a genealogy. It's not picturesque. It's not poetic. But Matthew did it for a very good reason. He wanted to connect Jesus, this newborn. He wanted to connect Jesus as a son of Abraham and a son of David to show very clearly that Jesus was in this great line of those who had, uh, who had said that the Messiah was going to come, and now the time would be fulfilled. 
And, and actually, I think what he wanted to communicate was to, uh, to ally him, align himself with Isaiah and saying that unto us a child is born. This is the Messiah. This is the Prince of Peace that was promised to us. There are no shepherds in this story. There are no choirs of angels. But there are magi. And the magi have come in order to pay homage to this newborn king. So they go to Herod. And Herod uh, obviously is concerned about where this new possible king might be. And being threatened by him, Herod decides that he will have all the young boys in the, the surrounding area of Bethlehem and Bethlehem killed. Now, that part of the story has been left out of our lectionary. We don't like those stories very much. But that is the, uh, the, the sacrifice of the innocents. And it was... It must have been, if it actually ever really happened, it must have been an enormously uh, devastating event in the life of the people of those communities. Well, Matthew draws a number of parallels found in Jesus' birth and infancy and the record of God's actions in the Hebrew Scriptures. I was struck last night at our uh, celebration of Lessons and Carols how similar it is uh, to the... Um, to uh, the night before the great Easter vigil. That's what I'm trying to think of. <laughs> the Easter vigil is this wonderful account through scripture of the salvation story about how we are connected with this account of salvation that goes back to the very beginning. And in many ways, what we read last night was the same thing. It was another account of salvation history. And I think what Matthew is doing with this particular account of Jesus' birth is much the same, connecting this birth with God's work throughout history for our salvation. Now, the parallels that I see in this uh, account from Matthew, we hear of Joseph being described as one who has dreams. I think I counted three dreams in what Becky read this morning. And then, of course, there was the dream that came earlier when the angel assured uh, Joseph that it was going to be okay if he married Mary, even though he realized that she was pregnant. But he also was told in that dream the importance of this child who was to be born. Now, there was another Joseph, this Joseph, the son of Jacob in the Old Testament. And he's also known to be one who dreamed and interpreted dreams. And one of the dreams that he interprets is a prediction of a seven-year famine. And that seven-year famine eventually brings his family to Egypt, where he saves them. So, in a way, Matthew, I think, is, is drawing a connection between this Joseph in the Old Testament, who saves his family, and Joseph in the New Testament, who also saves his family, and especially Jesus. Matthew uh, draws other links, I think, with the Hebrew Scriptures, and especially with the mighty acts of God and the events surrounding Jesus' birth. Uh, you might recall the story of the birth of Moses. Pharaoh was becoming increasingly concerned about the fact that the Hebrew people were growing in number so much that he was afraid that if there was ever a conflict with another enemy, that all these masses of Hebrew people would join with the enemy. And, and possibly overthrow Pharaoh. So Pharaoh decided something had to be done. He called in the midwives and told them that they should 
kill the babies when they were born, but that didn't work. The midwives circumvented that. They said these Hebrew women are so strong they have babies before we get there. <laughs> but finally, uh, Pharaoh decreed that all of the boys uh, that are born to the Hebrew people should be killed. I think that we see in this the fact that those in power are always afraid that something might happen to them, that someone might get more power. And here we see a political power uh, in, in Moses' time in Egypt resulting in the death of all those young boys. And we see the same thing drawn parallel by Matthew as Herod seeks to destroy the young boys in Bethlehem and the surrounding communities. So for Matthew, I think Israel's story has become Jesus' story. And God is to be praised through all of it because it is because of God's faithfulness and because of what God has done through the history of their people that they are saved and that we are saved as well. So you may wonder, how do I see this as a better story for us as opposed to the one that we find in the second chapter of Luke? I know that a number of you were at the forum this morning where we heard Brian Lissenberger talk about his faith journey. And it was a wonderful, moving uh, witness to God's work in a life. And also, more than that, about how community had a huge impact on Brian's life. And I heard in it God shaping that life over many, many years uh, through moments of enlightenment when there was great joy, but also times in what he described as the crucible, times that were difficult. I think that what, when we believe that God came among us as one of us, part of the reason that God did that was to offer for us the opportunity for transformation and to see that God has been seeking us out for generations upon generations upon generations. And I think that's what Matthew was saying. I think that's what he was talking about. This is a fulfillment, and Matthew uses that word over and over, a fulfillment of the promise of God, the one who has come among us to live as we live, has come to offer life, has come to offer relief to those who are poor, who are hungry, to those who are oppressed. Our, our, our carols are sometimes overly sentimental, I think, and we can see them as beautiful set pieces. But the reality of Christmas, I think, might come to us best through Mary's carol, the Magnificat. So I would invite you, if you would take one of the red prayer books in the pew rack in front of you, to turn to page 91. <clears throat> this is the Song of Mary. And it, was, she, she, it just came forth from her in, in, uh, in great praise of God when she met Elizabeth. Elizabeth was six months pregnant at the time with John the Baptist. And Elizabeth talked about the babe who was moving in her womb because he was in the presence of his Lord. And Mary broke forth with this wonderful hymn of praise. But in it is the mission, I believe, of Christ. And let us read it together, including the Gloria at the end of it. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. 
My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on his lowly servant. From this day all generations will call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. He has shown the strength of his arm. He has scattered the proud in their conceit. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has come to the help of his servant Israel, for he has remembered his promise of mercy, the promise he made to our fathers, to Abraham and his children forever. Glory to the Father and to the Son to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. The promise he made to our fathers, to Abraham, the promises made to your fathers and your mothers, the promises made to you, that God would come to you, and God has come to you as the Christ, to transform your life. To open your heart to all of the wonderful promises and, above all, the love of God. And so now, 2,000 years and more beyond the original singing of that great hymn, we sing Mary's song again. And we give thanks to the one who has come to fulfill the promise. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. 